Hi everyone, and welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name is Donatella My Secrets. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you doing tonight, Coco? Sober, actually. I've um, been wanting to see what it was like. It's been a while. Um, and I've been wanting to not drink as much because when you're at the bar every day mm-hmm. and you're not doing anything, the only thing you can do is eat greasy bar food or drink. Um, I guess I could talk to people, but that's a little strange. I don't know. (laughs) Who wants to socialize at events that we're paid to socialize at? I know. It's so weird. It's like, (laughs) well, I think it's because like there are days like when I go and I'm just like wanting to like hang out with my friends and like chill and talk and whatever. And sometimes I have those moments and then there are other times where I really don't want those moments. (laughs) You're like, like, get away from me. I'm like sitting inside just like by myself. And people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. Um, yeah. (laughs) Leave me be. (laughs) Um, before we get too into it, Donna, what are you wearing this evening? You always ask me this when I'm like so caught off guard and like literally all I have on my mind is so you know those little like holders that like blunts and joints come in yes yeah um i've been trying to find ways to recycle those and make it more sustainable so i just have like an entire dress made out of those plastic holders and it's like a new take on like bugle beads but with like weed canisters yeah, I, I, I get the concept, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's like strung up plastic weed holder, like joint holders. Yeah, and it, you know, see, it click clacks and makes a noise as I move. The c- 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 yeah, that's wondering what that yeah, was. Yeah. It's a little jarring. Um. <laughs> I was seriously having a conversation with my coworker today. I was like, this is so much plastic for like a single use like joint. Like, what can we do with these? And like my first thing as a, as a drag queen, obviously, I'm like, I can make a dress. I can make a dress out of I this. I could probably make a dress out of this. So um, that's what I went ahead and did on my on my lunch break today. On my 30-minute lunch break. Oh my gosh, you're so talented. I know, right? <laughs> um, and what about yourself? Um, I am wearing... Well, I wanted to do a take on like... Um, the old Catwoman costume where it was like the staples. And oh, the yeah, the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. Michelle cat Pfeiffer Catwoman. Yeah. But instead of a cat suit because she's feeling fat these days, she turned it into an evening gown with just mm. a bunch of staples that are not quite evenly placed everywhere. Mm. But I'm still wearing like a face skinny, but like no mm. hair. So people are just kind of thinking I'm a bandit walking down the street in a ball gown. Yeah. And of course, flats. <laughs> that was a whole fantasy and you, and you just um unfortunately took us there <laughs> i know oh gosh i can't wait for somebody to dialogue with that oh my goodness um so it's so interesting to me that um so like i said before i've been working now at local pretty religiously for the last like few months mm-hmm. um and we started working there during COVID, uh, the owner had asked us to do a karaoke, and mm-hmm. um, we started doing that. And that was actually really a lot of fun back then. I, I feel, somebody actually said to this to me recently, and I agree with this, uh, I think it was Autumn probably, who talked about how now that she's fully vaccinated, mm-hmm. she didn't realize how much it was weighing on her doing those things at the bar. Yeah. Um, you know, like kind of risking yourself to yeah. like, give entertainment to other people. And I, I kind of agree with that. Like, I, I, I felt the same way. Yeah. Like, I... Because we didn't know what COVID was, right? We didn't know... No. What, there was no vaccine at that time. 
you're just trying to be as safe as humanly possible. Well, we knew what it was, and we hadn't ever... I mean, I don't think any of us have been personally affected by it in the way that we've had someone very close to us pass away from it. But I've right. definitely like had people that I know that in my life that have gotten it and, you know, fortunately healed from it and mm -hmm. recovered. But, yeah, it's... I don't know. It's it's something that I think when I was out, because I haven't been out doing drugs since December, when I was out in those spaces and I was doing it, I think for me, especially because I was in a rough spot work-wise, um, it was to make extra money and that was kind of all I was thinking about. In the back of my mind, it definitely scared me. I was like, mm -hmm. if I do get this, I'm, I'm exposing myself to this, and um, I'm being as careful as I can out at these events. But there was always that in the back of my mind that, you know, what if I accidentally, like, touch a surface that someone who is infected touches, or, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's just easy as that, and then it's our entire household has it. and Yeah, and our roommate at the time was an Uber driver still during the pandemic. And yeah. that actually made me more nervous. And they, he always said that he was more nervous about me and Adam. Um, and then even back then, Donna being out at the bar. But mm -hmm. the thing is, like, the people who came to the bar was kind of, like, regulars. And you could, like, stay distance from them. But he had this small little car yeah. that he was driving people around in all day long. Yeah. And it always made me so much more nervous because he would be, you know, going from, like, you know, 6 in the morning to, like, you know, 11 p.m., and I was just always so nervous about that. Yeah, definitely. And even though I didn't see him regularly when you're in your spaces, like that just was something that you just kind of just don't feel safe about, which is actually kind of what the episode's about. Um, we're talking about queer spaces. Yeah. Um, and I know that we've talked somewhat on this subject before, but uh, what's really like, so now we're coming out of COVID, and so the landscape is changing People who weren't in these queer spaces are now, other places are becoming queer spaces. Um, some queer spaces have closed. Yeah, many. Many have closed, heartbreakingly so. Mm -hmm. Actually, I just saw on Facebook today, um, there was a performance of Natalie, I guess, at one of their second Saturdays yeah. in Grand Junction. And there wasn't a damn mask in the whole place. Oh, there wouldn't oh, be. God, there, there wouldn't be. Not there. They don't believe in them there. That's just, that's, it's it's a very different world from which I'm glad you know it's a, it's a different world from where we came from mm -hmm. being here in Portland but yeah no people are not wearing masks people are over the pandemic and the pandemic isn't over just because you're over it but you know <laughs> but just because you're over it I love TikTok yeah <laughs> so but they're I mean they're acting like it's fully done you know and that's the scary thing is like. Places like that, it's just going to be hotbeds for it to spread. And well, it makes me wonder how many of them are vaccinated, you know. It doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, you I know, know that they had an abundance of vaccines there. Yeah. But I, I don't know. And it makes me uncomfortable because, like, you don't really know who you're getting into bed with, right? No. And so, I don't know. It's just, there's this weird... So, when our, move, our roommate moved back to Grand Junction, Colorado... And said that they went to Walmart and, like, there was just, like, not a mask in sight. And felt really uncomfortable about it, obviously. 
with good reason. Yeah. Because there's a pandemic. And it's the opposite <laughs> of the reality that we've been living in, where people are very conscious here. I think, you know, that's the nice thing about living in this area is that people are wearing masks. People are, for the most part, respecting guidelines. Um, you know, my job, even, it's like protocol where we do temp- daily temperature checks. And really? Then we also, and then we also all wear our masks the entire shift, and we're all socially distanced in this little, like, room where we each have our tables like six feet away from one another. And, um, yeah, it's, there's, there's definitely like people who are taking it more seriously than others. And I, I'm at the point now where like, I don't really venture out if it's not going to be like safe, like Mm -hmm. protocols that are put in place because I want to be fully vaccinated before then. And I did get my first dose. I'm Pfizer, Team Pfizer, woot. You were were Pfizer too, right? Yeah, oh my gosh, that second vaccine laid me out. I've never Uh, had the flu before, and um, that second shot put me into the ground for two days. And I remember it was coming up on the second day, and I thought I was feeling better. Um, But, like, it was just, like, my body was, like, recovering really hard. And it just, I was, I was sitting in bed. I had the chills, the aches. I had everything except for a sore throat. Like, it was... Mm -hmm awful and it was like the most like it felt like a cold but it was like beating me so much yeah awful uh my first shot um my arm was sore for like like six hours yeah um but and then the next day my arm was really really sore Um, my arm was pretty sore today um but it's getting better now like it feels a lot better um but yeah, I immediately noticed the soreness, like probably mm-hmm. an hour after I, I got <laughs> the vaccine. But I'm not looking forward to that second dose on the thirtieth. That's when I have to take it. So if I'm a complete wimp and like feeling like absolute shit and in bed, that we know be why. why. Yeah. Well, and actually, the shitty thing is, I lost my vaccination card. Yeah. I like I did like I I had it. I was super excited. I took my picture with it, of course, because uh-huh. you know, um, millennial. Yeah, um, and then I, I did put too, it and I put it on my Instagram story. Somewhere. So. I don't know. I put it somewhere, and now it's yeah. gone. It's probably, like, in a jacket or something. And I know that those vaccination cards are going to become very important here, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, because there are lots of different spaces that are going to probably require, require them, like colleges that and stuff yeah. like that, too. Yeah. So... I don't know. We'll we'll see how the world progresses. That's actually not even really what this episode is supposed to be no, about. No, but, but I mean, I suppose it, that queer spaces are changing in the fact that now it's like a requirement that you're vaccinated. You know? Yeah. At least, at the very least, half vaccinated you should be um, mm-hmm. if you're going to be venturing out, you know? Yeah, everybody at my space, at, at local lounge, they, I always announce, hey, who here is fully vaccinated? Mm-hmm. It turns out it's actually a lot of people are coming out who are fully vaccinated, folks yeah. I've never seen before, and they're having a great time. Actually, I, you don't even know this yet, but, like, for karaoke, like, uh, we never get through, um, we never have repeat singers anymore. Mm. We only have just, just one, one round. One round. Dang. Yep. And we get through them fast, but um, usually, like, maybe two people at the end sing twice. Yeah. Like, but that's it. So you had an incident happen at the bar. Oh, I did. So, um... Someone All Lives Mattered, your show. Yeah, so during the Pucker Pageant, it's called the Local Lounge Lavish Pucker Pageant, hosted by Touche Duche and produced by Coco Gem Holiday. Mm -hmm. And it's just a silly bar title, and it's so fun. And we actually are getting a lot of people buying tickets to it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, And so this last month, the winner was Sequin McQueen 
for the amateur category and Whiskey Rick for the veteran category. Mm-hmm. And um, during the Q&A portion, a Silhouette, a drag queen in town, went up on stage and was like, yeah, I'm just really inspired by like black trans, uh, black trans women because, you know, they that's kind of where drag modern drag came from and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then this woman, I just heard her in the back just say, so like, well, we all matter. And I, I just was like, huh? And then she said something along the lines of like, um, like, why do we have to differentiate or something about not seeing color, some, something like that along those lines. Mm-hmm. But then I, sh- um, and I and, like, heard her say, like, and really, like, all lives matter anyway or something like that. And I, I stood up, and I hated this moment. There's a couple of things I wanted to unpack about this. Like, so I stood up, I turned around because she was sitting behind me. Mm-hmm. And I said, did you say that? And she was like, said what? And I was like, no, it's like, you. You were the one who said it. And I said, I was like, do you want to repeat it for the class? Because that's what I said. And she goes, she's like, dude, I want to repeat it for the class. And I got offended by that because she's giving me the exact amount of sass I'm also Mm -hmm. serving to her. And then I just like, and then Atlas, who was there with Chatty Mm -hmm. Catheter, said something to the effect of like, oh, well, we were doing, making like a comment about Caddy's, Ch- Chatty's cow print that she was wearing. Mm-hmm. And then that's why it spun out into this conversation over here. And I was just like, okay. And I was like, and then Atlas said to the woman, she goes, it's just, you needed to like learn your words and like, you know, like, you, like this isn't the space for that and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I love everybody. I just, you know, I don't understand why we have to like, like, basically, she was just saying, like, why does this stuff even matter kind of stuff. Yeah. And then all the white people in the room were like, uh. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, hold on, white people. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. I was like, like, I got this. And then Rogue was like, well, I'm black and I don't got this. <laughs> yeah. And so she got up and left. And Viper left, too. And um, it kind of spun out of control from there. And um, I just was like, basically, it was this whole moment of where this assumingly cis uh straight white woman was mm-hmm. in our spaces um just spouting her nonsense yeah what really got to me the part that people don't know as much from this story is that like i went to her because she was sitting with this black woman who came to one of our events earlier mm-hmm. in the week and i went over to her and i was like i'm sorry like obviously that's really uncomfortable and i didn't mean to make a scene like black people are always usually a little uncomfortable about like making a scene too mm-hmm. and so i was apologizing mm-hmm. to her and that woman came up to me and tried to hug me and i said do not touch me what yeah she tried to hug me she's like oh i was like don't touch me don't touch me don't touch me. You're a me. stranger, That's... one. Yeah. And, like, still a fucking pandemic. Like, I don't care, like, how you feel about, like, feeling awkward that you just said something stupid. Like, yeah. And she's just, fuck? she's like, I just love you so much. And just, I was like, no, don't. You don't know me. No. No. And her you friend was like. You don't know me like that. Her friend was like, sit down. Sit down. Like, what are you doing? And I was so uncomfortable. Oh. And I was just like. I was like, Ew, don't touch me. Don't, don't touch me. And it, when she was getting too close for a pandemic, like, get away from me. What the fuck? I was so... Don't go all up in your space and all lives matter and, like, <laughs> fucking spread your possible fucking COVID, mm-hmm. like, by, like, <laughs> going around and hugging people. Like, what the fuck? I yeah. would be so upset. Yeah, I was super... And the other part about that, too, is, like, right 
then she sat in her chair and I just, so I did apologize. I was like, I didn't mean to make a scene at your face. Yeah. I was like, but you really needed to like check where you are. Cause in this space, I was like, that's not the language you can, that's actually dangerous language in here yeah. because we are accepting of all different life forms and the journeys and struggles they have. And she said, she's like, well, I just love all of you. And I was like, okay, she's drunk. So I just like walked away. Um, and before I get more into the story, cause there's a couple other pieces. I needed to ask Donna, how are you doing this evening? Oh, Coco, I'll let you know after this brief commercial break. Do you wear t-shirts? Do you wear a face mask? I sure as hell hope so. Do you put on your silly little t-shirt and your silly little face mask and wish you had something a little more out there? Yes. Even something, dare I say, matching? Girl, yes, duh. Then it looks like HunterDrips.com is exactly what you need. At HunterDrips.com, socially relevant merch and apparel is up for sale. That's never for profit. 50 to 100% of every purchase is donated. I hear they carry matching shirts and masks with designs that say cute little slogans like defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and it goes over your nose. And even shirts and hats with your own pronouns on them. You know, things that are important. Oh, so you mean important. And almost all of it is donated? Yes, donated. And guess what? What? It's size inclusive too? Yes, up to 5XL. Why just make clothes for skinny people? It's all made by Queer Artist Girl. The creator of HunterDips.com is trans, fat, lesbian, and the site also includes merch from other queer artists, including gay Portland rapper Tono. Listeners, head on over to HunterDrips.com and use the code SECRET for 15% off your purchase today. That's SECRET for 15% off your purchase at HunterDrips.com. It's a podcast with Coco and Donna Telepodcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast with Coco and Donna Telepodcast. Check it out. All right. Coco, I'm feeling like the straight people are acting up. Um, how did you say Oh, straight food. Oh, they always cause such a ruckus. They always cause such a ruckus, those straight folk. <laughs> it's true. Those breeders. Um, yeah, that's... Wow. Okay, so, first off, I think the important thing to, like, recognize here is that it is really important if you are, like, heterosexual identifying and you come into a queer space that you respect what is going on in that space. And um, not only was she disrespecting boundaries of people, like physical boundaries, but she's also like coming up in there trying to be like, oh, but I I love everyone and like labels don't matter and da 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 da. It's your job when you go into queer spaces to like learn from the people around you and, and not to try and like force your ideology in those spaces. Agreed. Agreed. And so I just... I'm really disappointed by that whole dynamic. Like, it was just really awful. And when I... So I went over and I was talking to Anjay Tifa, Andrew Mm -hmm. Tolman, about the whole incident. And honestly, what was so... I told... I basically said... I was like, like, Andrew, I was like, dear God, like, help me. Like, I just... I was like, if that woman would have said anything more to me. And then... Andrew was just like, oh, no, I would have stepped in front of you. It's like, what's the point of Black Lives Matter if we're just going to let folks go to jail? You yeah. know, for, like, speaking up when people are saying some, like, racist rhetoric. And I said, I agree with that. And, like, Chatty actually came up and apologized to me. She's like, she's like, yeah, I didn't... 
She's like, I heard it, but like, I just like, it didn't register right away with me Mm -hmm. because in queer spaces, we tend to let our guard down. Right. Yeah. And like those things happen, but it's, um, it's like a trigger for me from being in Grand Junction. Like I had to fight queer people, um, you know, straight people, cis people, trans people. And there were never really any queer spaces in Grand Junction, like Mm -hmm. not ones that were like wholly queer. No, and, like, even the spaces that we cultivated weren't wholly queer, right? So it was really jarring just Mm -hmm. in general when I would hear that coming from queer people about, like, what was happening with BLM and just things like that. And that was always so challenging. I did have to go to Bracket, and I went over and I said, yeah, this is what happened, and Mm -hmm. I... And I did. I, I wrote online about it, and a lot of people liked and shared it and commented and basically were just, like, telling me not to feel bad about it. And yeah. even Rogue, too. And I just said, the, I I feel bad because it was mishandled. Yeah. Like, because I was a little tipsy, and my rhetoric is really hard when I'm tipsy. So I didn't do... There wasn't any education. It was just me stopping a show to point out to the woman that she was saying, like, inappropriate things. But yeah. I didn't... There was no spiel. Yeah. I, I didn't have any words. Yeah. Because I was so gobsmacked a little bit that it was happening in front of me. Like, it was awful, so. Yeah. And we have to really recognize, so there's this other thing that happened, which I'm going to talk about here. So, um, I think it was Crucifix Magnetic posted, I think from that same night or a couple days later, there was... Um, this really drunk person, I'm assuming, at, in front of C.C. Slaughter's. And so they were recording this mm-hmm. incident happening. And in the fourth video, it was like four cops that were like piled on top of this tiny little dude um, and whatever. And like he was like screaming at the top of his lungs. And he's like, you're hurting me, you're hurting me, like all this stuff. I don't think they were hurting him. But it was really triggering to watch and look at. And um, and then, like, when he got up, he said, he's like, I didn't murder her, I promise. Some, like, crazy, weird, drunk stuff. Oh, um, Yeah, it was a whole thing. And I actually told Crucifix, I wrote them, and I said that that was just real. I was like, you needed to have a trigger warning on that video. That was really triggering to watch. Yeah. Um, and just, I, I think that as what I would want from my white queer counterparts is just to be, like, be, like, cognizant of those things that are happening around you. Because, like, Chatty and even Atlas said, like, we heard those things. Yeah. But we didn't, like, really respond to it. Like, like we didn't shut it down. Yeah. You know? And, like, I I don't always, like, with the last laugh situation, which we'll explain in a second, I don't always want to have to be that girl, you know? Yeah. I don't always want to have to be the girl who's just like, oh, my God, that's so racist. And then look to my left and look to my right and be like, okay, well, I guess it's me. Just yeah. Who has to go say or do something about it. Yeah. Um, and the last laugh situation, which I think we talked about on the podcast probably a year ago, was just a girl, Heidi Moe. Yeah. The Variety Show. She was not queer. <laughs> and at least from what we gathered. Mm-hmm. And came into a queer space and did some pretty upsetting things. Very, like, entitled attitude. Um, and then mm-hmm. also also did some racist things. Yes, very much so. Um, and, yeah, I, I remember... Yeah, and that person had two boyfriends, so they were poly, but they weren't queer, per se. Yeah. Like, poly relationships are not necessary. They're not inherently queer. Yeah. Um, and so I... Basically, like, when they came up to me at the end in the basement, they were like, 
hey, I wanted to talk to you. Like, what did you think? And I just said, I was like, it was really problematic. I was like, but yeah. I was like, I don't think that you're a bad person. I actually even told everybody I don't think that Chief should have been removed from the competition. Yeah. Um, I said that this is a great learning moment for you. Mm-hmm. I was like, but yeah, like this was like, yikes. Well, I think she had pissed a lot of people off the week before that mm-hmm. by, you know, she made some inflammatory comment about, um, I can't remember what it was. But yeah. she had said something that pissed off a lot of the people in mm-hmm. there because she wasn't queer, and it showed kind of like a, a lack of respect for the space that she was in. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that that you know that makes sense. Um, you know, it's like we queer people don't because I know some straight people listen to this podcast. Like mm-hmm. queer people don't necessarily get to ever drop their walls when you no. go into a straight bar with your fag hags and whatever. And, like, you're still cognizant of the straight dude who's looking at you weird. You're cognizant of the guy who could kick your ass. You're cognizant of if I'm too queer and walk to my car, I could get gay bashed. Like, yeah. like even though you don't want to believe in these things, like, it's just something that in, that inherently is, like, instilled in all queer people. In yeah. our spaces, we really want to be able to feel safe and have fun and, like, forget about the world for five seconds and hold hands with our partner without it being something weird yeah. or scandalous, you know? yeah. Yeah, I get that completely. I've always felt safe in queer spaces. The only unfortunate thing for me that I'm like trying to navigate right now is how I can be in a queer space that isn't alcohol centered. And that's been difficult. And I think that as queer people, it's very difficult to find those spaces. Like a lot of the time. I even like on my road to like recovery when it comes to being alcohol free i've it's even been difficult to find like queer spaces like recovery spaces that are not like rooted in religion to where i don't i'm not like triggered because of my religious trauma you know like it's mm-hmm. it's really so i i think it's also important to re- recognize too that although there are these queer spaces there's also ways that we can improve to accommodate people who I think uh, like many people in the queer community suffer from addiction issues and, and especially like alcohol abuse, you know, that's something that I feel like we could foster like a better, like togetherness for people who are, who are struggling with like addiction issues. Agreed. Agreed. Cause I know, I know that I would like to have, um, at local, we're going to start doing, especially during the month of June, we're going to be doing a few sober events. Yeah. Um, and then having a couple events where we're going to allow people to bring their families and things like that during Pride, because mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to block access to, you know, more members of our community. But with that, um, we really have to be cognizant of what those pic- what that picture really looks like yeah. and make sure that it's safe. Um, I... I, for one, have been trying to figure out a way to still be having a good time and have good mocktails and, like, really enjoy myself at the bar, too. Um, uh, but I've also recognized that, like, when it comes to, like, recovery, it has to fit for you. Like, yeah. it's not a one-size-fits-all. Like, what, like, especially, like, with doing drag and, like, being part of this culture... Like, it's just one of those things where you have to constantly navigate. And a lot of AA programs are based in spiritual um, spiritual healing. They are. And 
sometimes it can be overwhelming for people. And I know it's all about the higher power, so it can be whatever you want it to be. But it's also, if that still rings weird for you, I remember I was actually looking, there was an AA, a queer AA group Mm-hmm. and Junction that somebody suggested I go to because they thought I was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I actually called because I was worried that I thought I was an alcoholic. And they just, they're like, well, we didn't have enough members, so we stopped meeting. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, well. Great. That's yeah, cool. That's, so, I, it is good, at least, that they have stuff here. I get, I guess, it for me, it's like it's just been difficult to find things that are not only queer, but, like, don't have that aspect of, like, religion, like, deeply ingrained in it. And mm-hmm. that's that's been difficult. So I think that there's a bit of a void there, you know? I think that there are... That, that shows that there's a space for, like, queer events to where it doesn't have to be alcohol-focused. And, like, there could still be drag and stuff, but, you know, maybe, like, something... Like, still, still like, meeting places, even, um, when people start getting vaccinated that are not focused around like driving like sales for drinks and stuff. You know, I think that that's it's something that's important to have because I mean, you've been very vocal about like issues that plague the queer community, like domestic abuse. One that's really close to me now, especially since I'm living it is, is recovery and, mm-hmm. and what that means for me. And what that means for other people like me. Well, and also, what really gets to me, and it's something that I don't actively work on because I don't, it's a really uncomfortable conversation, is I notice that a lot of people fall off. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm more so talking about drugs, when people are like recovering yeah. from drugs. Yeah. Um, you can kind of tell when a person starts to fall off. Yeah. We had this conversation as a local staff, as bar staff at local that you can't, we actually talked about it, you can't accuse somebody of being back on drugs because that could actually make them go back on drugs. Yeah. And, but there are some times that you want to be loving and caring and wanting to support somebody in their journey. Um, And so, and it's it's like the question about suicide that they always say in every class, like, um, are you thinking about suicide? Yeah. the, The question, right? to keep someone safe but and it's kind of the same with drugs but it can be really triggering for people because they lived in a life of they're trying to get better and then you think that they're on drugs just because their hair is messed up and they just had a bad day yeah you know like and so i have noticed some people that i think might have done might have relapsed yeah um and gone into a space to where they might need some help and i don't know if they're able to get access to those resources to those resources yeah and and i mean one thing in recovery um for like something that you learn in Elnon is the is that somebody's recovery is personal to them. It's their choice. You can't force a person to exactly. recover. Yeah. You can't push a person to do it. They have to do it themselves. Yeah. Like Yeah. Very much so. I the the decision for me to not drink was a decision that I had to like fu- fully put my foot down and make for myself. Mm-hmm. Like no one else was going to make that decision for me. No. And no um, one could. No. Because it's so much personal work. Yeah. Yeah. And finding those triggers, too. Yeah. I think it's important, too, to recognize... Like, while you're in these spaces with your fellow, like, LGBTQ plus folk, um, definitely, like, check in on one another. Like, I think that's something super important. Like, not only has the pandemic been extremely isolating, but if they are going through 
issues with recovery. Like recovery and sobriety can be extremely isolating as well. So like that's something like check in on the people around you, make sure they're doing well. I know that just alone with the pandemic, like there have been people who have struggled, struggled immensely with mental health. And unfortunately, there have been people that we've lost uh, that we've even mm-hmm. known of that lost their battle with depression because of this. And um, yeah, yeah, just like just recognize that the people that we our closest with in our communities are, are going through like a whole slew of battles on their own. So just check in on those people that you see, because as dark as it sounds like you never know if you, if you will see them again, especially during these times. So just be, just be loving and like kind of have some heart and, and check in on those people around you. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to do a small PSA because as the filming of this episode, we still have not heard from Freddie Hollywood. No, we haven't. Which is, scary and sad there's posts going around online about it michael watts michael watts last seen i think a very long time ago at this point it's been almost a well it was a saturday yeah so over a week now over a week yeah he was supposed to be going back to his hotel last phone call he made was to his girlfriend saying he thinks somebody's following him they found his phone they found his wallet, wallet. they found his car at this point but he's still nowhere to be found and so if anybody days. has any information, obviously, as days go by, stuff like this obviously gets scary. really scary. And so whatever higher power you believe in, please wish them well, wish for their safe return. Yeah, and good thoughts. And if you have any information on where he might be or his disappearance. Contact the authorities. Yeah. At your earliest and best convenience. Yeah, so... it. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about when it comes to recovery is like the support that you have to have, like those systems in place. So, like with Donna's recovery specifically, like she wasn't one of those people who would like steal all the alcohol out of the you know room or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things of where when we like we th- for her birthday this year we did a sober party and and it was actually really fun. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, it was a really cute sober party. Yeah, um, it was nice. Yeah, we had lots of mocktails, and I think we had, like, food and stuff, and we just sat outside. We did, we burned some stuff, we listened to some lo-fi, it was great. Yeah, it was good. It, Yeah, I think that it's important to kind of create those spaces for people. Well, and to life. show people that, like, because a lot of people always worry um, they'll be less fun. Yeah. But, like, my closest friend is um, the bar manager... At local, and they, them and their partner are sober now. Yeah. So, like, you know, just, I think that that's beautiful, because they work in bars, and they're able to hang out and still be down, and we still go to other bars and chill and whatever, and they just get CBD sodas. And Yeah. Which is, I think, something that definitely takes time. Like, I'm yeah. not 100% sure when I'll be ready to, like, be back at a bar in that setting mm-hmm. where people are drinking around me. And I'm in drag and I'm hurting and all I want is to get a drink because I'm hurting and I'm miserable and I'm around people <laughs> that, True. you know, I, I like a lot of them and maybe I don't like everyone <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because let's face it, when people are out drinking, sometimes they can be like a little annoying. <laughs> Absolutely and utterly obnoxious. Yeah. And, and it's true. My drag right now, um, I've gained so much weight during COVID and same. it's just really painful now yeah uh, my corset doesn't fit anymore most of my costumes don't fit um and so i'm i'm trying to pad out as much as i can but 
I'm still very, very large, and uh, it just, it's painful. I have bruises all over my body yeah. from my corset, and uh, yeah, it, it does take the edge off quite a bit, and I've started going back to wearing high heels, um, and those hurt. Yeah. <laughs> those are death traps. So I've been trying to make drag a little bit more comfortable, but the more comfortable I make it, the more lazy it looks. So um, I'm trying to find my good, beautiful balance. and Yeah, a happy medium know. to where you don't have to, like, drink to numb the pain. and Yeah, oh, yeah. gosh. And to not, it's more to, like, drink to absolutely not care about the pain because it's definitely still there. Oh, yeah, it's still, <laughs> it's still there every mm-hmm. single time. It doesn't, mm-hmm. like, do away with it. You just mm-hmm. kind of forget about it. Yeah, but... Uh, on the release of this episode tomorrow, we are going to be having, we're going to be performing at Porch Fest. Yes, we will. Milwaukee Porch Fest at um, our dear friend Victoria's place. We were there da, over, over the last <laughs> summer. Um, it was kind of crazy because it got postponed because of the fires. Can you oh, believe that? Oh, gosh. That, that's that's like, almost been a year. Yeah, gosh, that feels so crazy. That's, yeah. Well, I guess that was more towards like the end of the summer, but mm-hmm. it's still, it's still wild. That, um, yeah, it's been a while since that happened. But, yeah, we'll be performing at Milwaukee mm-hmm. Porch Fest. So if you're in Milwaukee or near the area, check that out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. As yeah. far as that goes, I believe that concludes our episode. Respect queer spaces. Check in on your friends. And respect people's boundaries. And... Consent, consent, consent. Lead with love and heart. Yeah. Bye, everybody. This has been another episode of HM of a Secret Podcast. The hosts of HM of a Secret Podcast are Donatella My Secrets and Coco Jim Holiday. You may follow Donatella My Secrets at Donatella underscore My Secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Jim Holiday at Coco Jim Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at The Touche Douche and at party favors music on instagram for more exclusive content visit www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com that is a j e m of a secret podcast.com be sure to tune in every week on thursday for a new episode wherever you listen to podcasts if you have any comments or questions email us at a gem of a secret pod at gmail.com please don't forget to like rate and subscribe until next time Goodbye.